I have a high degree of self-awareness. I've asked myself a lot of my own questions because of teaching, you know, mm. especially the subject matter that I teach. I've had to kind of like really examine my own personal beliefs and ask myself, why do I believe what I believe? That has helped me a lot in podcasting because with podcasting, you need to sort of know yourself yeah. so you can engage with the other person, you know. If you don't know yourself, it's very hard to have a conversation with another person. It's almost like your knowledge of yourself is a bit of an anchor. Hey guys, I'm Aisa and welcome to episode 12 where we have a great conversation about conversations. Today we have Roshan Gomez from the Ruma Roy podcast and it was such an illuminating episode about passion projects and the courage to carry them out. We talked about how to overcome your fear when starting something new, how to find your purpose and foundation as to stay true to yourself in the process, as well as how to speak and connect with others. It's a great conversation about the pursuit of truth and in a world that's now obsessed with short-form media and the cancellation of others, Roshan really talks about the importance of long-form content as well as seeking differing views. This is such a great conversation about having conversations with others, so please, please, please stay on until the end. Also, this is a quick reminder that this will be our last official episode of season one. I mean, we have a few bonus specials planned after this, but it will be nothing like this usual format. So while waiting for season two, be sure to check out this other podcast, Two Book Nerds Talking, or TBNT, a podcast powered and produced by Renegade Radio, a podcast that we even spoke on in episode 10. So TBNT's hosts, Honey and Diana, are a delightful pair who discuss the books they love and have read and I've worked with them in their last episode and they are great people to work with. So in this podcast, they share reading insights, bookish topics and they even pick the minds of occasional bookworm guests. So if you love books as much as they do, this is the podcast for you. But even if you don't love books, it's such a great podcast to listen to because Honey and Diana really dives deep into the topics and themes discussed in the book that they've read. So it's kind of like finding hidden gems and great wisdom from literature without having to read the books. So please, please do check them out. But without further ado, this is episode 12. Welcome to Seek to Speak's podcast, a podcast which aims to empower expression, spark speeches, and instigate ideas. Today is a special day. Today is going to be Seek to Speak's last episode of the season. And to commemorate this moment, we have an amazing guest, Roshan Gomez, fellow podcaster and lawyer. He is the host of the Ruma Roy podcast, which I am a big fan of. And his weekly podcast, which he hosts with Jeremy, is a series of genuine conversation with a whole bunch of great guests talking about politics, current affairs, mental health, culture, and so many other things. It is a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. Hi, hi, hi. At Ruma Aisa. Ruma Aisa, <laughs> definitely. It's a it's an honor to be here, though. Uh, I'm also a big fan of yours. Oh, yeah, that, that's really high praise. Thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you for listening. It's kind of surreal to be here. Yeah, even <laughs> for me, I, it's, it's it's a huge honor and privilege, especially during the MCO. Thank you, yeah, yeah. for being here. So, in your own words, Ruma Roy podcast is a safe haven for geeks dorks, nerds, weirdos, and the curious. And your podcast loves intriguing ideas, good conversations, and fascinating people. And it typically runs for between one hour to two hours long. <laughs> With the advent of YouTube and TikTok, you know, people tend to prefer video media and short-form content. Mm -hmm. Why podcasting and why such a long-form format? Um, so I think why podcasting, 
I've always liked uh, conversations. Um, growing up, my content that I like to consume was interviews. So I was a big fan of uh, late night shows. Um, I was listening to a lot of, at first I think David Letterman, but then I quickly started watching uh, or listening to Craig Ferguson. Not many people know Craig Ferguson. Uh, if you all know James Corden, uh, James Corden took mm. over from Craig Ferguson um, about two years ago. And uh, I was very enamored with Craig Ferguson because I thought he was, um, you know, he managed to have this really he, he starts his show by ripping his cue cards. <laughs> and so I was always attracted to that idea of uh, building this sort of organic, natural conversation. So it wasn't only Craig Ferguson, though I think he was like a big, big uh, yeah. inspiration for me. But it was uh, Graham Norton, uh, Inside the Actors Studio but with uh, James Lipton, The Breakfast Club. It didn't matter what the topic was, but I just always liked listening to conversations. Um, I'm not sure why, uh, but I just like it. Now it's Joe Rogan, you know, so I've always liked conversations. Why long form? Um, I think in that following that theme of real conversations, mm. um, when you have to condense uh, something to even just half an hour or even an hour, sometimes you have to compromise on the the organic feature of the conversation and it becomes a bit manufactured. And there's nothing wrong with that because sometimes you have to manufacture it to present a particular yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, I was curious to see, um, I was always curious with that skill of building conversations. And so. That's a very brave step, actually, because you're not really thinking about the audience, but rather what internally you personally want the show to be. And you yeah. want it to be genuine conversations. And of course, it takes a while for people to connect, right? Yeah. Especially because, you know, we've never met before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you probably never met some of your, a lot of your guests before. So compromising that time also compromises the authenticity mm. of the conversations. Have you had like nervous guests before? Like guests that are like, it was really hard for you to get information out of them. Yeah, yeah, sure. Because I mean, I think people are also aware that they are speaking in a public forum. So sometimes they're a bit conscious of what they're saying. They're worried they, they might say something inappropriate or something not that will not be received well. So that is an issue. But um, I guess creating a comfortable environment uh, and you also sharing and putting yourself out there um, helps them uh, relax and also like uh, contribute because they also can tell that you're in it so they will also it's a bit like a dance yeah. so I suppose if uh, it's a bit of a tango if one person is leading the other person will also follow but of course every guest is different and you know some are more open than others lah so do you have like a conversation with them before or is it like, yeah, come in and immediately let's ask questions or is that how, how do you make them feel comfortable? Yeah. So normally what we do is we start the conversation before the recording. So it kind of like gives them a, a preview of how it's going to go. Uh, we do list down three points. So we usually what we do is we ask them, uh, okay, number one, what are you uncomfortable talking about? So we will just avoid that. So you don't have to be worried uh, to make them feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And two, uh, in case there's nothing to talk about, these are three points that maybe we can bring up during the conversation. And then third, we ask them, is there anything you want to talk about specifically? And and then from there, we just talk a little bit and then we just, okay, record. And then we start. Yeah, that's about it. I know it sounds so simple when you say it like that, yeah. but even for me, it's really daunting. So speaking about like confidence 
it's not something that's easy to have. Even in your recent podcast episode, you discussed the departure of your co-host. I say departure, quote-unquote. <laughs> yeah. But actually just a, a reduced role, right? Yeah. And your intention of pivoting the show. So one of the biggest issues when it comes to public speaking is like confidence, as well as the ability to adapt to your surroundings and your audience. And confidence is actually something you candidly spoke on during that episode. So 19 episodes over. Is it 19? 18? Um, 20? 20, technically. 20. Wow, technically 20. Right. Yep. 20 episodes down and we're coming to the end of 2020. What have you learned from this whole experience? Um, what have I learned? That's actually a tough question. I don't know whether I've learned anything in particular from any of the guests, uh, but it's been... Um, an, an experience it's been a journey uh, it's been something different um, and uh, I, I've really um, uh, I guess in this experience this journey I've learned more things about myself that I did not know for example like you mentioned the confidence thing yeah that's something I didn't know I didn't know I was this insecure I could be this insecure about a passion project mm. you know uh, so yeah those sort of things but you you've been wanting to do a podcast since last year right i mean with your with your team yeah <laughs> who are here with us today <laughs> yeah. as my, well <laughs> my uh my gang do you gang. want to introduce your wonderful yeah, team yeah. here jane my producer sound girl is here uh and we have sharon who's our videographer social media um I don't know, endless <laughs> handler. Who uh, I've been trying to get information and advice from even before this episode <laughs> just to get tips because you guys do it so well. Yeah. So how come you still feel this insecurity? Because it doesn't translate in your episodes at all. And mm. if it's something that you've been wanting to do for a while, why do you, and as you say in your own words, it's just a passion project. Why mm. do you still feel the lack of confidence there? And I you're a lawyer. Litigation? <laughs> litigation or litigation, corporate? Litigation. Litigation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's easy. I think it's it's easier to have a fantasy. Mm. Um, and when that fantasy becomes reality and you really have to grapple with it uh, and you have to face your fantasy uh, falling apart, um, it, it becomes a lot more trickier and a lot more scarier. I think, for example, in a romantic relationship, you might like the idea of dating someone or falling mm. in love with someone. But when you're actually with that person and you also have to face the fear of being rejected or the relationship ending, then suddenly the idea of being a relationship becomes something totally different. It becomes really scary because now there's also a, a, a possible ending. You know, So many other things might happen. And so I've all, I guess... It was easier to have the fantasy of uh, doing something. Then you finally do something and then suddenly it's like, okay, I'm doing this now. Are people going to listen? Uh, will, how do I get the numbers up? Is this sustainable? And um, you know what's ultimately going to happen? And all those realities sort of hit you. And yeah, you have to grapple with that. Can you explain why Rumah Roy <laughs> podcast? I think a lot of people would be curious because I am. Because yeah. who's Roy? <laughs> <laughs> so this is a scoop just for... Exclusive. Seek to, to speak... <laughs> Uh, not even been uh, we haven't even spoken about this on Ruma Roy but yeah um, actually my dad is Roy and uh, in my housing area uh, when my friends used to come over they would just have to say uh, we're going to Ruma Roy and then the guard would let them in that's basically it so <laughs> the, okay lah we'll just call it Ruma Roy because that's how you, you would find your way here you'd have to say we're going to Ruma Roy 
and that became the name of it. But I love that origin story because if when your guest comes mm. to your show, they will say, "Oh, Rumah Roy," yeah. and so it's the name of the podcast as mm. well. Yeah. But you personally, actually, you told me previously when we had a conversation that you're you're not an extrovert. Mm-mm. Like you're actually quite introverted, and you find it daunting to meet new people, especially the older generation. Yeah. <laughs> and you were recently. <clears throat> self quarantine for two weeks mm. um, but no scare he's no scare. he's negative he's he has three tested tests, twice three tests three two, tests yeah so all nature before yeah. he came here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> three tests and two weeks of quarantine you know and i'm sure you were during that quarantine were you were you in torture or were you just like no i was really fine uh, i was really really fine i think i'm in my element when i'm sort of by myself Mm. Which is so ironic Because like every week <laughs> You would be with your gang Of like five people mm. Minus the guest And then you guys speak For hours and hours and hours How do you Why do you go through that? Why do you put your introverted self mm-hmm. Through that? Like Yeah So I think I'm a bit of a weirdo That's number one uh, Number two I actually grew up In a family of extroverts So if you go to uh, Roma Roy for a family function For a party I'm the quiet one You're you know, the quiet one. I'm the quiet one. I've always been known in my family as the you quiet one. You got the one. wrong Roy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I've always been known as the quiet one. My brother, two years younger to me, he's the extrovert. Uh, and if, you know, you would know it. You can tell if you both you would talk to both of us at the same time. You would be able to feel the difference. Uh, so I think I've I, I'm an introvert who's grown up with extroverts. Um, but I think even with introverts, right? And I think this was my experience as a young boy. When I was very young, I was very quiet, uh, very shy. Um, but I always felt like I had something to say. Mm. But I felt, and maybe this is why I like conversations as well. But I know I felt that no one wanted to hear me, and so I thought I would just keep quiet. Um, only later in high school, when I was given platforms like becoming a prefect, uh, you know, leading different groups, then finally there were people who wanted to listen to me, you know, and so. I think even introverts want to be listened, listened to. They also have a voice. They want to say something. It's just more like your energy source. Mm. I think with extroverts, the energy source is with people. That's where they recharge. And with introverts, oh, you still just just need to go home and just recharge first. And even your episode with uh, Roshan uh, Kanisan, right? Mm. I liked what he said. He said um, you might be an introvert, but your uh, expression language might be different. Like maybe writing, like yeah. you have something to say, right? Yeah, correct. Or even for me, even though I consider myself a little more introverted, I enjoy teaching. You know, I do oh. enjoy teaching. Uh, I teach uh, mostly Sunday school children. You know, uh, I've been teaching since I was eighteen, uh, so I teach fifteen-year-olds. Uh, but it's fun because you teach them about you know you have these deep conversations. Then what is right, what is wrong, you know, um, what 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 do you what is the experiences that you go through. And how do you navigate morality, right? So I've always wow, enjoyed. Oh, that's really cool! Deep conversations with kids. I've always felt like I've had something to say, and maybe because I was so quiet when I was younger, I've had a lot of things bottled up that I feel like I need to say. And I like to blow people's minds, like you know, <laughs> I like to, I like that expression in your face when you're like the light bulb, Moment, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. like I never thought about it. I love it. When uh, these young kids like put their hands to their temples because they are like, it's so like they're having a headache because they've never thought about that before. I love that you know it's it's so amazing to be able to challenge someone to see the world differently, right? Yeah, I love hearing this story because they are. I have a lot of kids who are very introverted, mm. 
So they get so intimidated when it comes to public speaking because they feel like they are not built to yeah. speak. But actually speaking, like you said, is just a form of expression. Yeah. And if you don't express yourself in some shape or form, you will get that bottling up feeling and that kind of feeling that you have more to say and the world needs to hear it. And maybe that's also a motivation for you to start teaching as well as start podcasting. Do you think teaching helped you to find more of yourself in order to be able to do your own thing in podcasting? Yeah, most definitely. I think I've I have a high degree of um, sort of self awareness. I've asked myself a lot of my own questions because um, of teaching, you know, mm. especially the subject matter that I teach. I've had to kind of like really examine my own personal beliefs and ask myself why do I believe what I believe, mm. you know, and and um, that has helped me a lot in podcasting because with podcasting um, you need to sort of know yourself yeah. so you can engage with the other person, you know. If you don't know yourself, it's very hard to have a conversation with another person. It's almost like your knowledge of yourself is a bit of an anchor and it kind of helps yeah. you navigate, you know. You don't want to like latch on to other people. And I remember <laughs> listening to your Women's Aid Organization <laughs> um, episode with these two um, <laughs> women's rights activists, <laughs> feminists, liberal, and you were telling them about how, you know, Conserv- I'm a conservative <laughs> and you're teaching them about traditional conservative values and then I was just like oh my god I can't believe he's he invited them and told them why he believed that men should be a certain way how gender I was like oh my god so like tell me about how you have come to shape your worldview like where is it from and how does it guide your content and character because I feel like from you like character is really important yeah, you know, I, I, I come from a very Catholic uh, family um, and my mom ins- taught me from a very young age the importance of faith. Mm. And as I grew older, I appreciated that. But then I began to ask myself, like, why do I believe what I believe? And if you don't know much about Catholicism, it's basically the more traditional, well, in, at least in terms of teachings, people might be something else, but in terms of teachings, it's very conservative. And so I had to start asking myself, like, it wasn't enough to just believe lah you know mm. I, I wanted to know like okay you're teaching me all these things and you say it's good for me I want to know why and as I begin to like read this is you as a teenager oh. yeah definitely wow. like a 16 year old maybe you know so as I begin to read more um, and I begin to like sort of investigate and I would read uh, church teachings I found to my surprise that they made a lot of sense um, that they were actually quite beautiful hard to achieve, uh, maybe a bit idealistic, but definitely not oppressive, Mm. you know. Um, Teachings about, you know, how we deal with one another, um, about what what is sacred, about life, about uh, all all this sort of, about even things like sex, Mm. you know, that I felt was so relevant when I went to college and it helped navigate my life. Um, Would you say it gave you like a strong grounding? Yeah, definitely. So it started from Catholicism and Mm. Catholicism also has sort of a grounding in philosophy Mm. because you learn a little bit about, like for example, St. Augustine, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. I mean, these are the the Catholic philosophers. And from there, I started, I I began to to be interested in philosophy. Uh, It really started, I think, with St. Thomas Aquinas has this thing, the five proofs of God. Mm. And there was a rational five rational arguments for the existence of God, which blew my mind. And until today, when I teach kids about the five proofs of God, it blows their mind. 
then but so I started with uh, Aquinas, Augustine, uh, Anselm's argument, but then it moved on to different types of philosophy. So then I started reading a little bit about. I'm in no way an expert in philosophy, not at all. Mm. Mm. And you actually said yourself that while you may be a progressive or you have certain conservative values, you don't live in an echo chamber. You yeah. actually seek out yeah. uh, liberal um, literature and media so that you can understand it, right? And that's part of your big ethos of like learning from others, even if their views are counter to what you believe in. Yeah, because I think fundamentally, I do believe in truth. Mm. And again, when we talk about conservative versus um, modern or postmodern sort of thinking, um, this word of truth has really been butchered and has come to, cha- it is being challenged now. Like if you follow a postmodern sort of thought process, truth is very subjective, it's very relative and it really varies person to person. And so uh, that's why we need to have genuine conversations. Now we just have people talking over each other and cancelling each other. Oh, I, I, what do you think about the cancelling culture? I, you know, I, I, had a, I read a Facebook post, uh, a friend said that, you know, uh, we need to have more genuine conversations. Uh, we shouldn't hurt, physically hurt each other. If you don't like what someone else says, you cancel them. Then in my mind, I was thinking, that's not really a real conversation though. Yeah, that's like a threat. Like, yeah. you agree with me or you're cancelled. <laughs> yeah, it's another type of attack, right? A genuine conversation is sitting down with someone, listening to their point of views, trying to break it down through rational arguments, but still being able to break bread after that. You know, not vilifying the other person, but really engaging in the conversations. And it's relevant now. So for example, we're looking at COVID. Mm. You know, we don't know what the outcome is going to be. It looks like there's going to be a vaccine, right? I mean, yeah. that's, it seems that's the only solution. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be a lot of people who, don't, who wouldn't want to get the vaccine. Really? Why, why do you say that? Um, what, what do you mean they don't want? Are you a vaccine um, denier? I'm not, I'm not an anti vaxxer. Uh, this isn't your first episode. <laughs> Something that he still now claims he's not against vaccines. Yeah, I'm definitely not an anti vaxxer, but I know a lot of friends and a lot of people who feel uncomfortable. I mean, you have like old school Christians, conservative Christians, or I would say crazy Christians who are like, this is, <laughs> this is the, you know, the 666 coming and this is going to be the end times. And I'm sure. It's not just Christians, Muslims, Muslims also, also. Like in Pakistan, kids were dying because their parents really believed that, you know, they were spreading disease through this. Yeah. Um, and, um, but the thing is, um, it's, it's, it is fair game to say that I don't want to take a, a rushed vaccine. Mm, not yeah, all yeah, vaccines yeah, yeah. Are, are, are perfect. Safe, you know, yeah. there are vaccines with adverse effects. But my point is then we can't just shut down the anti-vaxxers. What are you going to do? Are you going to strap them to a chair and mm. force feed them the vaccine? Are yeah, you going to give true, the state true. that power? So the only way is to have conversations. Just a real quick reminder here that season two will only be out in January 2021 and we are still in its planning phase. So we are thinking about new format, approaching guests. So in this very important process, we want to make you involved. To make it the best that it can be, we need your help. So please DM us on our socials at seek to speak or email us at hello seek to speak at gmail.com to tell us all about what we can do better, who you want us to approach, what you liked, or what you didn't like we would love love to hear from you so please reach out to us and talk to us we need to be able to communicate and they're going to oppose it then you have to break down the arguments if you can't do that then you shouldn't be giving a vaccine 
right? But it's a difficult conversation to have in a sense that sometimes when you come to a table and yeah. you're so invested in the cause or if it's something so personal to you, I think offense yeah. is such a difficult thing to maneuver. I mean, especially even in Malaysia, so many things cause offense. I mean, recently there was the DAP, Ronnie, who was um, charged because he said some things that may be against the, mm. the king. So many things here are sensitive. Yeah. How do you get... What what do you do to get the other guests to feel comfortable with disagreeing? Because at the end of the day, you don't have to agree on everything, right? Yeah. Why do you think it's so difficult for people to get to, I guess, the goal of either agree to disagree mm. or we, we come to a resolution? Yeah. Uh, okay, so I definitely have to say that there are people who are not bona fide in the way they have conversations. So there are some people who, however great your arguments are, however great your conversations are, they already have a fixed... Uh, oh, so they come to the table knowing that they're not going to change their mind. They yeah. just want to change your mind. Yeah. There so, are, there, so there are people like that. Fair enough. And how we deal with them, that's a separate discussion. Mm. But in terms of your question about how we engage people who, who are at, not yet at that level, it is not difficult, but it's a skill where you you give them the space to say their arguments, mm. to voice out their concerns, and you don't dismiss what they say. You don't sort of gaslight them, right? Mm. You, 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 you hear them out. And at the same time, you speak out your truth. And the clashing of, not really clashing, but the sort of collaboration of the two, um, I, I believe that something good can come of that law. So do you do you personally come with an open mind in a sense of like do you come thinking that you may be proven wrong today? Yeah. Hundred percent. Uh, I and I, I it's a difficult it's a difficult sort of sort of um, personality feature of mine where I flip between I empathize a lot with people so it's mm-hmm. very easy for me to look at the other side and then like I get what you're trying to say and then I flip to the other side so. More often than not, I'm always defending the the person, irrespective of who they are. <laughs> but I will be, you know, I more often than not defend uh, the minority, you know, in in any case. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, they are some usually the faceless, voiceless, the unheard and unseen. Yeah. So, for example, like it could be the LGBT community, and mm-hmm. when I'm talking to my family, and then I w- I will definitely defend the LGBT community and like at least say that look, their experiences are valid. But what then, do, what do they say? Like, I mean, are they, is that difficult? Because f- even for me, mm. it's very difficult to talk to my parents and tell them, hey, what you're saying is kind of racist. Like, yeah. can you not say that in front of me? Mm. That's a difficult conversation to have because then your parents will be like, oh, is that so rude? You know, you're, you're, you're a child. You're not supposed to talk to me like that. Even if I'm saying it yeah. like calmly, like how do you have that conversation about LGBT in a mm. Catholic home. Mm. <laughs> I mean, for anybody who's listening, yeah. this is also good advice for them. Mm, I think, again, it's not not uh, vilifying the other person. So, like, when it comes to my family members, um, even if they have a view contrary to mine, I don't vilify them. I don't, like, I don't ever say you're... Okay, boomer. <laughs> yeah, and I don't ever say you're, you're homophobic. That's mm. homophobic. That's racist. Mm. Because the other person automatically becomes defensive. Yeah, right? you're right. You're right. So I just point out like, you know, for example, I would say maybe, you know, you know this person, you know, mm. this person we know very well and that person has experiences. You mm. know they wouldn't lie about it. 
you know this is not something easy for them yeah. and you get help them to sort of empathize but honestly i also do the opposite i do the other side where with uh, with lgbt's for example sometimes they feel like that they feel that anybody who is uh, doesn't have their views is a homophobe and then i have to have that conversation and say look it's it's not like that you know i think we have liberalized the word uh, phobic too much you know some like for example like how they say it's not enough to not be racist you have to be anti racist yeah. you know yeah that actually excludes a lot of people from the conversation and makes them very defensive actually it makes every actually that point of defensiveness is so true mm. um you get difficult conversations because people feel like they are being attacked yeah. so they feel the need to have to defend their values and their ideas and their views and that's when you have an impasse mm. so the reason why i wanted to have this conversation with you is that at the end of the day you know i can teach my students public speaking i can teach them how to do speeches but what they use their communication skills for is conversations like this and mm. you want them to be able to um, express their views you want them to have a good foundation in their views and that's that's what you do in Sunday school because i think you are a good example of somebody who made sure that they have a good grounding so that whatever views that may come you are not only able to not to say defend it mm. but you are able to um, feel confident and secure enough to feel like you have your views i have my views i don't need to convince you mm. i can listen to you and i'm open to change yeah so that's something like um very very important and also to have the courage mm. to go against people to yeah. not to say go against that's another thing also go against because i'm not going against my parents yeah. Yeah. you're not going against your your parents it's yeah. more of like I don't know cultivating understanding. Yeah, because even with my guests who come on, I mm. want to have people with different views and I don't want to like, you know, break you or destroy you and mm. and I'm cautious of doing that when I'm talking to people. I'm cautious of not bombarding them and destroying them, but I'm and it helps with public speaking in this way. I think when when you do public speaking, you have to read the room. And so when you want to create a genuine conversation you need to read the room you have to be able to empathize with the other person and you have to know to a certain extent when is the right time to say something yeah, right mm. and when's the right time to drop it yeah exactly it's not all about you bludgeoning them with your most articulate uh, articulate uh, arguments you mm. know it, it it you win the argument but you won't win over the person yeah right. it's not a competition right mm. All right, speaking of courage. So I know this is a little bit of a difficult topic to talk about, but you were actually a key witness in Pastor Raymond Coe's tragic and mysterious abduction in 2017, mm. which caused this huge public outcry, of course, uh which instigated an inquest by Suakam, the Human Rights Commission of Malaysia in 2019. And the inquest concluded that the Malaysian Special Branch was responsible for the abduction, but until now there have been no further action taken. Could you tell me a little bit about that experience? Yeah. Um yeah, it was it's a weird it was a weird time of my life. It's been a few years now. It uh the abduction happened about a week before I started my chambering. It's a, a bit of a long story, but you know, I just saw someone get kidnapped. Um it started a process of me going to the police station multiple times, having a lot of interactions with the police. Eventually that became going to Suhakam um uh, going for a hearing where I was a witness. Um it was a lot of waiting around. um i mean especially with public office i think there's something we all com- um we all aware of um and yeah there was definitely some pushback by certain police officers where they were like 
takkan kau tak takkan kau tak nampak tu tak takkan number plate pun kau tak nampak ah ha? macam mana kau tak nampak benda tu you know like things like that it was difficult ah uh, but yeah it was a weird time it was very very tricky uh, difficult uh, and one of the weirder things that happened i remember was uh, a few weeks i think uh, see uh, maybe a month before the actual swakam hearing I'd gone for dinner with a friend and um, I left my bag in my back seat mm. and so my car the back window had been smashed and my bag was taken oh my gosh. but you know I thought to myself you know it's my fault we all know don't leave your bag you know bags out but I car. always do and I've never gotten uh, like oh no you shouldn't you really yeah, shouldn't do that I <laughs> have you guys done <laughs> usually you should just right, keep so it in your boot you should keep it in your boot at okay. least um And so I kind of disregarded it. But about a week after that, I was coming back home. I was, I was coming from work, but it was a bit late. It was nine o'clock, and then I came into the gate, opened the gate, and I was driving in to park in my house. And my mum was out, and I could see that she was really freaked out. Then she was pointing at the gate, and then I I saw that my bag was slotted at the gate. Oh my god! Yeah. So a my, week later. Yeah, about a week later. And this is. How much time before the inquest? I can't really remember the timeline very well, but it was it was about that time. About that time, it was about that time, and uh, my heart sunk to the floor because I was like, you know, what, what could it be? You know, like what is this a sign? Yeah, because why would they? Okay, was anything stolen? Um, n- no, nothing was. But to be fair, nothing much was in the bag. It was just my file, uh, and so it was, was my file and my documents. Was your address on the file? Yeah, yeah. My address was on 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 it. So my file had been taken away. My documents were left in the bag, and my bag was slotted at my gate. So, but so it's only two things. It's either someone robbed me and was kind enough to send my bag back. Uh, but no, that's the no. thing they robbed. Why would they give it back, right? Yeah. So it would have been a really, really kind a robber. I, a compassion, a yeah. robber with a moral compass. Yeah, the robber was Robin like, Hood. Oh, oh man, I I took his bag. There was nothing and. His documents are here. He might need his documents. Let me return it. <laughs> I guess that's a possibility, or it was a warning, uh, a sign. Um, and the funny thing is, my guard house. Did they say rumor, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I need to send back this bag that I stole. No, but if you come into my house, there's a there's a camera, and when we replay the video, there's no footage. Like What do you mean? as in, like nobody came in that was registered that came to visit my house. You know, so it was very odd. So until now, you don't know who did it. Yeah, I don't know. Don't know why did they sh- that shake your mom? I mean, it was really because she knew that that bag was taken, mm. and she knew it was it's suddenly in front of the gate. You know, even I was shaken. I was like, "What the heck is that, lah?" Then I was like, "Really?" That moment of like opening uh, the zip because I was really like, "What the heck is inside there?" It mm. was really, really, it was quite terrifying, you know. But despite that, did you did you attend the hearing? Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, up to that point, for me, I was really okay with anything. You know, happens without trying to be too dramatic. It was not a big deal. Whatever happened to me, it's not not an issue. I'm not married. I don't have kids. You know, it's not a big deal, lah. <laughs> it is a big deal. It's real life. Like they know where you live. Like yeah. So, but when that happened, then it was that my parents are involved now. So then I had to con- have a conversation with my parents. Talk. I spoke to my dad first, and I told my dad like, you know, before this it was just me, so I'm got no issue. But you know, if if you and mom are uncomfortable, you need to tell me, and then I'll pull out because you know now it's a safety thing as well. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, I told them like, look, you know, there's CCTV footage. So honestly, I felt, and I had a lawyer who was also advising me, even if I was didn't testify or not testify, the CCTV f- footage is there. So I d- weighing that as well. I thought I don't think 
um the i i think the the risk is manageable lah but we still have to acknowledge that there's a risk mm. in any case when you say cctv what do you, what do you mean are you talking about your home cctv or the the yeah, the abduction because the what abduction. had happened was um the road was opposite to houses mm. and the family had gone house to house and collected the cctv yeah. footage and put it together and yeah. so you can watch the i think yeah, star I, I, published I saw, it yeah. I, i saw the footage it's it's scary yeah yeah but so when you in the context of the footage so in your mind it was like there's a cctv footage so my testimony is not really necessary yeah first thing is i'm a narrative witness right. i'm not really proving so you say the risk that means the risk of um the risk of the case not being the truth being found uh no so what i mean is like my my own family personal risk in terms of our safety mm. uh it's manageable because my evidence i'm a narrative witness i'm not a witness there to like say someone did something mm. i don't know i just saw someone get abducted i don't know who did it so in terms of that um i was telling them that you know we need to look at it lah like what you sort of do a risk analysis you know like even if i don't give my evidence it's not like the case is fatal the case will still continue mm. and so we had a discussion but we still had to talk about it because the of the bag incident Um and they sort of told me to proceed so we proceeded and also just knowing that look <laughs> think about it you know this guy was just randomly driving uh 34 um SUV like cars surrounded him broke his window pulled him out there were m- multiple men in full black you know motorbikes driving around this was like a full on job in broad daylight right? in broad daylight to him and looking at the number of years that have passed you know he most probably i don't even want to say it but the the chances of getting him back is very very low yeah you know and just to think about that you know the family you know he had three kids he he his wife suddenly just like that became a widower mm. these are not just like thoughts anymore this is real life consequences before i went up to uh, give my evidence in suhakam the suhakam hearing the the his wife was in the same room as me and she asked me you know, can i pray with you and we prayed together you know his wife and it's just it's really really tragic what happened and you know really it goes back i guess also to this need for conversations mm. because when we touch around each other when we are in f- afraid to confront well i like uh, i use the word carefront right instead of oh. confront when 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 <laughs> we are that's such a good way yeah when we are afraid to uh, put ideas out there that are uncomfortable that hurt us a little bit what we end up doing is instead it we push it down and it festers mm. and i feel in malaysia because we didn't know how to have these conversations about race and religion because they were so sensitive we were not skilled enough and not open enough to have these conversations what we did was suppress and it helped in the short term but in the long term it's like a parasite that's eating us from the inside and it manifests in all these weird sort of things that happen yeah it's like 
we are a cu- we are a culture and society that feels so threatened so yeah. easily because these conversations are not had so when someone says something controversial or taboo suddenly it's an affront yeah. on our values and i'm i'm really glad that you shared that story because at the end of the day it's it's what drives your character yeah. knowing what you believe in what is right and what is wrong and sometimes some things are bigger than yourself yeah like your testimony was maybe a testimony or a statement that you had to give but it means the world to somebody else. Yeah. And similarly if ever you as a speaker feel like very fearful of doing a podcast, sometimes think about the purpose. Why did you do this? What were your values and beliefs that drove you to get to this point? And I think it becomes like your north star. Yeah. I actually know a lot of people who want to start their own thing, who want to start their podcast but they feel have a lot of insecurities they fear judgment they fear failure mm. is something that we both grapple with as well yeah. so what advice would you give them in order to overcome this fear yeah like what i said earlier i think first thing is i've i you know and i've enjoyed your podcast i feel like your last few episodes have really spoken to me especially the norman chala one and the roshan uh, uh, kanesan one because it spoke a lot about um, setting objectives and mm. you know being i so i think more open minded in what you want to achieve um so one i would say don't substitute other people's goals for your own uh, be more creative and independent and brave in setting your own goals that's a really good advice yeah so instead of saying like i want to make it a money making venture um instead i would say like um or you know uh, like i want to hit like 2 million people or whatever instead maybe something more along the lines of am i saying things that are of value do i think this is contr- helping people to move forward so i think we need to that's one you need to be like open minded in how you set your goals um not just monetary but also the maybe the social benefit you're giving or 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 the social benefit gives you you right two i think take it a day at a time <laughs> you know re- relax don't worry it's fine <laughs> uh, <laughs> you you have ups and downs you know troughs and and Uh, peaks and whatever and then third i think what has helped me the most is just having fun mm-hmm. and i think um having a team of people to do it together has also been very helpful um and so far we are enjoying we enjoy what we do and i think that's been very very helpful yeah actually enjoying the process is important for mm-hmm. you to also enjoy the benefits and the reaps of the the rewards that come with the results. So Roshan, at the end of every interview and at the end of the season, I guess this is the last time I'm going to say this oh, for no. this season. So Roshan, why do you seek to speak? Um I think I seek to speak to build genuine conversations that will hopefully transform each individual in that conversation and open up and blow minds that <laughs> <laughs> the world the world is so big you know the world is so big and it's so sad if you live your life in an echo chamber there's so much to explore there's so many ideas to traverse there's so many things to learn so so much to consume uh, especially in terms of knowledge and and experiences and um i would really encourage everyone to have that difficult conversation and learn to have difficult conversations in productive ways with your family your families your friends uh it could be the ultra conservative dude that you hate <laughs> right have have challenge yourself to 
have that conversation with them and if you are able to have that difficult conversation with that person that you ultimately hate or think is so stupid then you know that you yourself have has have grown in a person as a person because you're engaging with people that are not in your sphere i think that's very powerful wow that's i think the best way to close this season that's an excellent advice thank you so much for yeah. being on the show yeah. it's a pleasure to have you and we look forward to so guys if you missed sick to speak episodes after this you can head on over to ruma roy thank you guys for listening and i really hope you guys continue to um support local podcasters like roshan and me and i will see you in the next season bye guys <laughs> Hello, hello. Welcome to the end of the last official episode of season 1. Woo! Can't believe it's been 5 months since we started this podcast. It's it's been really really crazy. I mean, what started out as a small bi-weekly project became a huge passion project that I'm now super invested in. And the journey has been so crazy, so fulfilling, and so educational on so many different levels. And I'm just so thankful for all of you who stuck to the end. So this is not the end of us. Be sure to catch out our to catch our bonus special with the Pendulum Show, as well as a short collaboration coming up with the Women's Aid Organization. It's been a pleasure having you, as well as all of our guests on the show. But in the meantime, please don't forget to check out our website, SingToSpeak.com, as well as our speaking club, Women with Words. This is Isa signing out.